Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. You know what I'm about to say, and you want to skip for 30 seconds, but I'm asking you, please don't. It has been an incredible few weeks on the Tortoise Shack. We have raised thousands of euro for people in Gaza. We have raised thousands of euro for people in tents in Rafa, and we have managed to get essential items, infant formula, nappies, food, and just cash into people's pockets who really need it. And that's all because of the Tortoise Shack community. That is almost entirely due to the people who are members of the Tortoise Shack. Our Patreon members are an incredible community and they have driven this. And while I'm giving lots of credit there, I also have to give credit to the powerhouse of women who are doing the actual hard work in Gaza, delivering the aid, getting getting the details and, and coordinating what is, is an absolutely incredible initiative. And thank you so much to everybody who's donated and contributed. We are still looking for your support. We want you to click the link that's at the bottom of this podcast. And I also need you to keep the bloody podcast going. The Tortoise Shack has no ads. It has no sponsors. We always say it's more than a podcast. It is activism. So your support, your five quid a month to us, is the easiest bit of activism you can do. You're helping keeping conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep going and helping us keep pushing the envelope when it comes to trying to deliver for people who really, really, really need your support right now. So if you can, if you have it, please click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's the only way we keep the show on the road and we can continue to do the work that has helped so many people. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I am shutting up now. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and folks, we've been continuing to talk about this theme and I think actually to give him his credit for once, why do I feel poor in a rich country? Why do we feel poor in a rich country? Now, Martin feels poor because, you know, he he's basically a pauper, aren't you? Look at it. I am, you, but I am basically a pauper. It is, it is. I, I survive on a disability pension. It's not easy. And, and, and in this country, it is very difficult when everything, people are telling us constantly over the last six to eight weeks that the cost of living crisis is over. Everybody needs to just suck it up and get on with it and that everything is okay. Um, and you know, sure, look, there was a piece in the Irish Times recently that said we've more people earning over a hundred thousand than ever before in the history of the state. Oh, that and gives me such a warm feeling down below, you know, it really <laughs> does. Yeah. Well, Martin, what you do to keep warm is your own business. <laughs> um, but with that in mind, uh, one of our favourite guests is uh, is the economist with Neary, but he's also he's also had a, kept a keen eye on the data as how it's presented, and then he presents it in a, through the prism of inequality and maybe market market income inequality, and also in how households are impacted. And that is our friend Kieran Nugent. Kieran, it's good to talk to you. How are you keeping? Good now. Thanks for having us on again, lads. No, we 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 always loved we always love having you on. But can I ask you? I've had a big lead in there, and you you were listening intently. What do you make of this kind of agenda? The idea that cost of living crisis is over, and sure, we're all earning loads of money now. Uh, well, like we've been, you know, there's this has been kind of going on for maybe six months. I think I remember the first one might have been in in the summer last year, and. We've had a, you know, the inflation has been going down, but like the most recent um, figure, it, it, it tipped up again in December. And I think it tipped up in October as well and down again in November. So it's, you know, the trend is still downwards, but we're still at 4.2%, right? The most recent figure, which is twi- over twice the target set by the ECB. 
And if we just keep in mind that for about 10 years up until about 20, you know, 18, 19, we'd, we'd zero, almost zero inflation, one, one or two percent max inflation over those those years. So so we're doing twice that in a year at the moment. The most recent earnings um, data shows that earnings didn't keep up with inflation in the year to the to the third quarter. So, around, you know, August, September. Um, they were they were lagging behind over the year, and if you look back, I I often just because there's a lot of mad stuff going on in 2020 and 2021, and you know reflected in the data and kind of not not really a good time series. So I, I kind of go back to. Can, can, can I just say something about the about that, which was actually quite interesting, and we will come to it in probably a greater detail. When the PUP and stuff was introduced, actually some inequality levels metrics reduced. So well, we'll of get, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah but mean, let, let's let's just park that for a moment, and and yeah. then and we'll talk. But you're right to take that out because it's hard to understand because it's in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah, continue. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. So, so just like what happened then when a lot of low wage earners went on PUP, is it kind of made the average earnings, you know, estimates look look higher than they were. It was just that a lot of people dropped out, you know, for, for temporarily. So if you look back to four years. Q3 to Q3 2019 to 2023, it's pretty much flat or a little bit negative, right? Compared average wages, even though in that space of time, we've had a compositional shift in favor of high end employment, which happened around the end of 2021. So we actually, as a share of employment, have more kind of, you know, um, when, when I say high end jobs, I mean jobs that require third level education. To, to enter or to get an interview. So we, we've had a big tip on that, and that was driven by IT, um, mostly, and, and some, some other areas. But those, that and, and those IT wages have gone, have continued going up. They, they, they stalled in the last year. Um, but they've been kind of driving, like, um, even that, what, what I said, we, we've remained flat. A lot of sectors are down on average, right? Um, so the latest data for, you know, incomes and living conditions and standards of living and, and you know deprivation and stuff like that we're still on 2022 data but the data i've just been talking about there is 2023 data so in 2022 we saw a bunch of you know deprivation indicators increase for households for workers for young people for renters people unable to afford basic uh you know, um, ba- basic necessities of life. There's a basket of them. They they ask in the survey, so we have that. That went up in 2022, and now we've seen stagnant or falling real wages in the year since. So when we get those 2023 figures, I expect that those um, deprivation rates. It's in around 17 percent of the of the Irish population, which is like somewhere in the region of 900,000 uh, people. Um, for workers, it's somewhere in around one in eight, so that's around three hundred somewhere in the region of three hundred thousand workers who are unable to meet the basics. And then, of course, they, they, there's other things that's overlapped there that we don't pick up in the, in the headline deprivation figures, which of course are related to housing. And you know, we just saw it today house prices have gone up consecutively for the last six months. Uh, rents are up eleven percent in the last year. And, you know, nominal wage growth in the last year has been somewhere around 4%. So it'll be hitting different people differently. Um, 
but and, the, and you know, one of the main, sorry, I was just, that was a long way around. I just want to finish that thought. Um, it's just the, 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 the increasing numbers of young adults that are still living at home and also working full time, like which, which a lot of them do. Um, so that's kind of not picked up in that headline deprivation figure. In fact, my, my theory is that it actually, um, kind of, you know, puts downward pressure on that figure because so, they, you know, so they, generation, they can afford their shoes, but they can't afford it. Gener- it's where the far right <laughs> um, conspiracy theory always has that modicum of truth where they say you can afford nothing, but you'll own nothing, but you'll be happy. This nonsense of because they're actually generation stuck at home. But they don't show up in those in those um, things because you yeah, know, and they probably don't answer the phone to the you know some of that. I'm, I'm not too sure if it is all. A lot of it is landline. So like you know, and they'll, they'll ring a house and they won't be the, you know, they won't be the person answering the the, the survey on behalf of the household. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of that hidden. Um, um in uh, into that bargain too, Kieran. It we've seen a greater concentration of wealth at the very top, and that the 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 number of people it takes to equal the top whatever two billionaires or three billionaires is now just astronomical. I mean, the wealth is absolutely concentrated in the top. And part of that, too, is that we now have the highest income equality in the EU. Am I right about that? We've the, we've the highest market income inequality uh, and by some measures we're an outlier. Now, that would, you know, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of difficulty in the wealth statistics and, you know, but we, we know from like internationally, you know, what Elon Musk is worth, what uh, Jeff Bezos is worth, you know, and you, you put three or four of them together and they're worth more than whatever it is, 40% of the households in the, in the US or something astronomical like that. There's a, you know, for some reason, um, there's, you know, some people think that that doesn't exist in Ireland or, or something like that. Now, you know, you might count an Irish billionaire who li- who who's tax resident in in Malta, or there's another one. There's a there's an Indian guy or something like that who's who's tax the, resident our, in our Ireland. Two, so. Our two top, our two top richest Irish people, the two biggest billionaires, both bought golden visas. Okay, yeah. and that's not, and I, don't, and I don't mean to cast aspersions on people who come here, work here, pay taxes here, and become Irish citizens. But the, our two billionaires um, are, you know, one was a vulture fund <laughs> operator as well, and um, and they've come here. And yes, yeah, it's hard to, you know, that makes a great headline. These two guys are, are worth more than forty percent of the Irish uh, population. But I prefer, Kieran, to put it to you that if you picked the top one hundred and fifty economic entities in the world that's all countries and and corporate interests over two-thirds of them are co- are companies yeah, yeah and yeah. and the the actual economies are small and of those companies that we that I've just mentioned in the top 103 out of 150 are all companies many of them are within a few kilometers of where me and you and Martin are all sort of sitting because they 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 live for for Irish pur- for European purposes in Dublin yeah so like yeah, so I, just when when we're talking about all these you know multinational flows of capital and and multinationals and everything, it's it's hard to you know it, it it you can measure one way, you can measure ten ways, and you you might get different results. I don't think you're going to get any result that says Irish wealth distribution is not unequal or not uh, massively. So there's some you know there's a, there was a European Central Bank um, 
report there last year, the year, maybe 2020, I think it was, that put us around mid-table for wealth inequality. And then there's some Piketty, uh, Piketty, Thomas Piketty, who, you know, just for people at home, if they haven't heard him, is, you know, one of the most famous, if not the most famous kind of inequality economist in the, in the world. He's got a, a research project, which is, you know, based around a website, so you can kind of go in there and see the data. And his data and his estimates put Ireland at the top, more at the top of the list, at least in a high income uh, EU context. It depends on how you measure it, if it's the top 10% versus the bottom 50 or the top 1%. Um, but, you know, the, the the jury's out on that, but we also know that, we also know about Elon Musk, we also know about, uh, you know, multinationals and all that. So, you know, whether we're going to, some people are going to dismiss the kind of, basis for some of the Oxfam um, Data. statistics yeah. or you know may, you know maybe there's a more robust way to to measure it but also there's all the, there's this there's all this other evidence yeah but you can't that you shows can't, that yeah, we're but very you, unique like, and something I know you're passionate about is Ireland's neutrality right um, and I heard people saying well we need to start with a minimum spend of two two percent of GDP but Irish GDP is not it's a fucking fallacy excuse me yeah um, so we'd be spending four times <laughs> per person than the next high income EU country yes. in a housing crisis see there you go see folks say that again Kieran, in case people missed it if we were to go with real if we were to go with two percent GDP we would probably be end, end up spending twice as much per person as you know a five or six other similar countries. A NATO like member, Sweden, basically. Austria or whatever, yeah. As a NATO member. So, and you know, I'm not. that's not my, don't want to really get into that no. and all that. But we, 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 you know, we have spending priorities. We have infrastructural deficits in Ireland. I see a lot of people who call themselves social democrats, like pushing, pushing for this, what I consider militarism. I, you know, I'd, I'd be... We, we spoke uh, briefly to Luke... more stuff to Yeah, to we spoke after. briefly to Luke Ming-Flanagan about it yesterday um, and, and we got a kind of... We will come back to it, but I know, and is I won't the, drag you into it. Is the impact of inflation, is it fair to say, Kieran, that, you know, we'll say from 2019, we'll follow it through from 2019 to date, that, you know, if you were a low earner... Um, in in 2019, that in real terms you're worse off now than you were in 2019. Yeah, I would say that is the case anyway. At least that's coming through in the deprivation figures, uh, 2022 versus 2019. Um, it also it depends on how you measure whether we're talking about the, you know, the goods that you were your own personal. Um, well, what I would basket it was is, in 2019 the, the versus whether, what the you wall. would like to do. What have you yeah, got so like maybe yeah. if you're in 2019, low wage earner, hoping to move out, uh, you know, getting your deposit together for your month's deposit to go out and rent, and you know, you it might be more difficult for you today to do that. And it, it all those things are kind of, you know, it depends on how you measure. You might get different different answers, but there will certainly be different groups. Everybody consumes differently, as I said. The rents went up twelve percent in in the last year, whereas headline inflation was four percent. So you know that twelve percent is 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 and and it's not going to be twelve percent for everyone. That's on average. Certain people's you know yeah, but gone up but, even more. but on the on the rent on the so so let's just let's let's focus on housing because housing as as a cost just keeping the roof over people's heads is what's eating consumption levels. People can't participate in society. I think I and again. 
I won't put words in your mouth, Karen, but I will, I will, uh, I will politicise this if you don't mind, because there is a referendum coming at the moment, and people are losing their minds over the, um, you know, the what, what do they mean by a durable relationship? What do they mean by the, you know, what's the women's place? All of this, and there is a, you know, there's some far right talking points. But one of the interesting things is many of the people who are saying the kind of the soft vote no's are saying, well, you know. Let's not, you know, let's, let's, we, we want marriage to stand for something. We want households to stand for something. And these are the same people who object to the right to housing from my, to, from what I can see. And because it's, if you want actually, and there, there was an argument in the Irish Times, um, in the last 24 hours about, uh, the reproductive rate is falling for, for people and going, well, if you want the reproductive rate to go up, people need a fucking bedroom to have sex in, boys and yeah, girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's the like truth. We ha- yeah, we've had a we've had one of the biggest increases in the average age of first having your first child over the last fifteen years in Europe. Um, I think the average age and 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 the the one of the oldest one of the biggest increases in just leaving home. So I think the average age is around twenty eight now leaving home, which means you know some uh, twenty means others are thirty six. You know, for each twenty-year-old, or somebody at thirty-six, and um, I, yeah. So, so housing is clearly an issue there. For, for if those, if you know, I mean, the, the, there's there's debates in economics. Obviously, if if endless population growth is you know is a good thing, people say, oh, we've got a demographic, um, you know, a demographic problem growing like in Japan and later on Germany and stuff like that. And, you know, whether or not. Um, you know whether or not that's an actual, uh, like the way that problem is framed, you know, could be we we could be looking at that as Martin kind of points out a lot about PRSI and and extra um taxes, you know, to pay pay for people's pensions, which we don't collect. Um, but if we're going to take that uh kind of ever growth kind of framing then yeah we need we we need children we need you know in 30 years we'll need nurses and carers to look after ourselves etc you know that those those ratios have to be sustainable and um if 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 that's the case then you know perhaps fallen birth rates might become a problem like in in terms of the service economy in terms of the care economy especially that's what i've been concerned about in the future it it takes you know the dynamism of any economy is young people kieran and it is the same the world over i mean economies are built off the work of young people and but they're not the ones actually benefiting from building the economy no, there's big, there's still big disparities there, and that's coming through in a lot. We've, um, Neary were involved in a in a survey in 2020 with UCD um, on the Working in Ireland survey, and finding a lot of these disparities there. There's a, a recent job satisfaction uh, report by my colleague Lisa Wilson and John Geary in in UCD, and found you know a lot of these. Uh, you know, you know, semi-secure or or highly secure jobs are basically, you know, not not um, 
not just in, in older groups, but definitely less so in younger groups. And if you're trying to buy a house, you're trying to get your two feet down, you want to do make, do all the steps that everyone wants to do. You can't really be starting in your 30s, or at least it's everything's then an emergency by the time you're in your late 30s, like, you know. Um, and, mo- you know, going straight from your mother's house into a into a uh, buying a property with a property. Th- that's it as well. You, you, were, you were absolutely forced um, to find a partner to buy a property, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which is not a, no, 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 a you know, there's a lot of people out there that that does not suit. I think there's you know. a section of growth that you that people are missing out on now that the previous generations had, and that section of growth was being able to live out of home alone or maybe sharing with other people, but that it was affordable and you could actually have a life outside of renting something. And people are being, and it's a big change in society. You're going from your mother's home or your father's home to your own home with no period in between, no maturity, no seasoning, no learning the ropes of what it is to be a proper adult. It is, it's a big change in society. Yeah, in, in such a short time. And I feel, I don't feel like a particularly old man, but I, I like that's, you know, what you're, what you're describing there was my, you know, my my young adulthood and into my twenties and everything like that. So I I feel, I feel real sorry for, um, you know, anybody like I've a neighbour there. She's obviously uh, a young adult. I, I'm pretty sure she works uh, full time, and she 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 sits outside in her car a lot <laughs> because yeah. she's living with her parents. So she comes home after work. And I see her sitting there all the time listening to the radio in the car alone to have her, clearly to have her own space, like, you know. My uh, two friends, the architects, and they'll be uh, annoyed at me now for, for bringing it up, Alfonso Benilla and Rob Curley, the, the, they're a lovely couple, but they talk about the fact that you know that they're they're trying to build these spaces, urban spaces, build 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 areas where people can live, and and you know, um, and 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 they always make that case. It's like you know, well, you can't you can't bring the the boyfriend home or the girlfriend home, or or you know, you can't you're all on this, and and it's just it's denying people that that type of that type of thing, and that actually matters when we're when we're planning, but because it's so unaffordable now. I mean, Shamim Malik Miam has a story in the Dublin Choir this week. About people having their their stuff stolen from this boutique um, student accommodation in Dublin, uh, I, I, but what's interesting to me about it, and there's plenty in it, but what was really interesting was eleven hundred a month for a bedroom with shared kitchens and shared facilities, and you're thinking, you know, eleven hundred a month for for. You know, when you bring your as as these people did their PlayStation out to, to to plug it into the telly to play on on the shared telly, then they go off, they come back, and it's gone. It's you know. Well, look, I mean, the, we don't have uh, very good data on earnings, like on a time series for whatever reason. But one of the things that came out, out one of the questions on that survey I mentioned there, the, the working in Ireland survey with UCD, was that. If you look at full-time graduates under 35 and their earnings, uh, about 80% of them, four or five, earn less than 40,000 euro. So if you're paying 1,100 euro a month, you're, you're 15, what's that, 15,000 euro a year. And this is at the top end, by the way, in the yeah, distribution. Yeah. If, if, if 80% of them earn less than 40,000, then how many of them earn less than 30,000? How many earn less than 20,000? Um, so... You know, this is 
you, you, for for whatever reason, this is still debate. I don't are, know why this is still the, a debate whether or not because you always still, always still, you know, on Twitter or whatever, I still have people debating whether there's affordability crisis or not, um, which I find fascinating. There are groups um, of people, Kieran, who we can look at. And we can say historically these people were at risk of poverty or in poverty and and now they are either worse off or, you know, they haven't improved. And one of those groups is lone parents. And we do have records of this and they really are not any better off really than they were 50 years ago. No, they're, they're really, I mean, a lot of the, uh, they're, they're very unlikely to be employed uh, very likely to work, pe- where uh, living with parents, um, high deprivation rates. Same with same with the disabled. Um, mm. Pensioners used to be more more so, and they they've improved their lot over the last fifteen years, just in terms of the share that are in material deprivation and stuff like that. And I think that's a you know a reflection of home ownership in this in 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 this economy, or most a lot of it is anyway. Um, so. Yeah, and and single mothers and young people. Yeah, um, there's just you know a mismatch, especially for like thirty percent of of uh, working women in Ireland are considered low wages. So like if you're looking at you know six, seven, eight, nine hundred euro in, in childcare, whatever else it is, like there's not there's no way that they can continue. You know, I. Tied to the labour market, and you know, there's all sorts of issues. Then, long term earnings, lifetime earnings, career progression, and all that. If they're dropping out for years, if they ever even get back, then or if they, you know, um, if they become kind of, um, you know, early retirees or whatever. There's a term that I should remember that I hmm. forgotten now. Um, but that's you know, the, the, those are all um functions of our development model which is low tax low welfare but, 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 approach but, but Kieran so then you see we've just said okay I'm going to I'm actually going to quote you directly between 2007 2022 the mean and median household incomes for Irish workers have grown by the third least in the EU 27 behind Cyprus and Greece incomes for Spanish workers have increased by twice as much in Denmark Netherlands and Austria incomes are up in the region of 50% Ireland, you know, Ireland is floating around, as you said, around the 19% mark. And that's, you know, way behind our, our peers. Going back to what we said at the start of this podcast, I live in a rich country, but I feel poor. Um, how do we then square that with IBEC coming out in the last few days and saying, you know, we need to we need to slow down on this idea of, of um, paying above, uh, you know, living wage, uh, paying a living wage full stop. Like, how do we square that circle? Well, there's, you know, the, most of the uh, literature on minimum wage, the, the incre- you know, the employment effects of minimum wage increases just shows neg- negligible employment effects, as in negative or positive ones, right? So one thing we learned through austerity is that um, the the spending power of low l- lower income households is important for an economy. So if you're working now, I I pay four ten for a coffee in in wherever the other day. Uh, it wasn't a great coffee, and you should have just put that into a Patreon account for you know someone who asks for yeah yeah. <laughs> there's a, yeah there's a good plug there's there. a plug yeah 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 just make your own homes way it's way cheaper but um 
if you're if you know if you have a minimum wage worker in that coffee shop now earning twelve seventy an hour and they can't afford a round of coffees for two friends, maybe they can juice afford that round of coffee now for two friends and themselves. You know, you you know, you, a, a business owner in in kind of you know tourism or 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 food or accommodation or whatever, they might look at that obviously from their own. You know, in ingoings and outgoings, and they they look at that as a static kind of right. That's how much going in. That's how much going out. But oh, you know, over over a little while, if they might see that that has, or they would see theoretically anyway, that that would have a a um, positive effect. An increase in those wages would have a positive effect on buying their coffees. Right, and for those low wage workers to be able to afford a coffee or a pint or a basket of chicken wings or a club sandwich or what, whatever else it is, and there are a lot of people out there, not a lot of people. There's there's certain spokespeople, um, you know, talking about oh we're going to have a tsunami of closures and all this kind of stuff. I I think the evidence on that is not there, uh, just in terms of what we have, um, you know, restaurants and and stuff like that have a you know, we all know they have churned. They, you know, we hear statistics like maybe 50% of them are closed after two years, you know, only two thirds of them or only a third last 10 years, this kind of stuff. And so that natural churn was kind of interrupted by um, by COVID supports. And so, but even then we haven't seen a, 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 not not, a, a, not enough closure that would warrant this kind of, the, these narratives of, of, um, you know, the of doom that we're hearing. Yeah, um, yeah. And in fact, we have record numbers in employment, in food and accommodation. Like literally, there have never been more people employed in that sector in the history of the state. Uh, and we're, we're still, you know, getting this messaging about how, you know, that we need the VAT going back. Or somebody was asking for a cash injection there, there recently thought that was... Uh, an idea. The, the, the government like really stepped in and gave a lot of supports to that sector, a lot of supports to those workers, and government kind of our taxes, uh, our the revenue government collects would be better spent on concentrating on industries that provide employment that you know you could actually live on, you could actually have a family with. You can't do that in tourism. Tourism is an afterthought in in other developed countries. Uh, you know, it might be regionally specific in some countries. Spain, obviously, in the south, Italy, in the south, where they're you know less less kind of um, there's less industry, there's less there's less high end employment. But it's it's really not. Um, I don't think like the, that the state should be foregoing tax to prop up these um, you know minimum wage temporary. Um, low-paid jobs in mostly in the West of Ireland, and and there is a flip side to that that coin about feeling poor in a rich country, and that's services or lack of services, Kieran. And when everything you have has to be subsidised, like we found out this week, that 
big business was subsidized for electricity at the expense of the small customer and we were never told I, I, I need, we, no no I need to correct you on this we covered that a year ago on the podcast if you listen to this podcast you'd have heard that this happened because we actually interviewed Lynn Boylan who, right. who, raised, who raised it with the CRU a year ago I hate the fact that you're now giving credit to mainstream for breaking a story that uh, we, we broke we a year did, ago t- we did and you in fairness, Muppet in fairness, Lynn. In fairness, Lynn did, and it was again. Lynn brought this up. Who made these decisions? But we've also seen it in that you know there's these creeping charges for everything, as we we know with Irish Rail are now charging for free public service card travel passes. All of these extra little charges. They're the lack of services, Kieran. If that pressure was relieved, if if we had a reasonable transport system with reasonable prices, reasonable child care, reasonable housing. Well, then the upward only inflationary pressure on wages isn't so strong. Yeah, well, there is. There, first of all, there probably isn't inflationary pressure on wages, or at least it hasn't. We haven't gone, I don't think we've gone ahead of inflation once in the last two years or since inflation happened. But obviously, yeah, we we've the... Uh, I think we're now the highest, um, you know, average cost of living in the EU. I think we surpassed Denmark last year. Um, and Denmark, you know, Denmark has all its... But they get they get public know, services. But they also get public... Like, this is, this is one um, that they were... That the, uh, you know, but like the Danish um, young people under 30 and everything like that if you look at the amount of them living at home compared to the ones in Ireland I think it's a factor of three or four times higher in, in Ireland um, obviously that's the kind of rather than go and spend deciding to spend it on like you know whatever it is submarines to go and make sure the Russians don't cut our internet cables or, or whatever else it is um, obviously those you know, you know, if we if we had more money in our pocket, there'd be more money for um, service industries like tourism. If we, you know, th- th- there's a whole lot of revenue that we've gotten in in the last couple of years that we were surprised about. We're using it to pay down debt and stuff like that. There could be an amount of it that. Um, and I have to interrupt you. We were not surprised by it, Kieran. We knew because our our tax avoidance network was so sophisticated and was the only tax avoidance network in the world that got a green rating for transparency. That and with the amount of intellectual property onshoring, we were going to benefit from what was happening. We 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 reported that we were surprised by it, but we weren't really, were we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Um, My words, I'm not, not yours. Clued in a hundred percent into that, but um. But anyway, we 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 have it anyway. Um. And we're not meeting the 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 um. You know, we're we're not providing a an economy or an a, a, a an economic environment where people can pursue. You know the dreams that go hand in hand with all this third level education, everything like that. We're supposed to be openly mobile. You know, you go, you're convinced. Everything in this society, everything in this um, kind of environment, tells you to go to university and get a degree, and that's your ticket. And now, that that that's what it was again. Wasn't that the most recent thing that you know? Over twenty thousand visas were were 
We get hey, what, from Australia. Um, I was just going to say recently. that, Kieran. You know, when you think about what we've had in government for almost a hundred years, nonstop, uh, the ethos of the country, the history of the country, we still have governments who are making policies for a country with a high emigration rate. That means they don't provide the service. They don't know how to provide the services. They have no vision of it's. Don't build it; they won't come. Model. And that's what we have. And it's the same model with housing as it is with putting bins for refuse on the street. It's the exact same model. Don't build it. They won't come. Do we need a radical overhaul of that? Well, I know we need a radical overhaul of that thing. There's not a question. We absolutely need a radical overhaul where we're looking that we will have an increased population in the future. We're going to have a lot of social issues unless we start providing the services. Is there any sign of that thinking coming into government? It's not it, the the entire well, not the entire, but a big you know slice of economists got together, commissioned by the government, and wrote a five hundred page document. Kind of, you know, I'm sure they didn't use the word radical in there uh, at any stage, but like it was a departure anyway from the, you know, the ethos, the governing ethos of or the economic ethos of of uh, certainly the last ten years, certainly the last fifteen years. And, um, you know, they said we need to increase taxes here. If And I think the, the guiding kind of framework was if we want to be more like the Scandinavians, which is usually what everyone kind of says. Um, and it was it was it was poo pooed uh, pretty quick. Well, no, hang on, hang on. Let's, be, let's be very clear. It was poo pooed before it even got published. Before it even got published, Leo Varadkar was out in front of it and he said that the ideas, the suggestions in this are a bit, a bit, um, shinnerish, I think was one of the words. But I, I, it actually, you've, you've actually got ahead. This is my final question. It goes to this idea though. So it's the exact same idea. We always hear from the mainstream that we have to broaden the tax base. But when they talk about it, they mean about taking in those low household incomes and saying, make them pay a bit more. Make them pay. Yeah, it's never it's, it's never European norms when it comes to corporation tax. It's never, never European norms when it comes to PRSI. It's only European norms when it comes to water charges or when it comes to it's, you know it, taxes that will disproportionately affect lower income households. Basically, that's you it, know it's never that's it's from my my humble. Uh, we we got we got about four or five days about the Panama Papers that should have been called the Dublin Papers. Like yeah, there was hundreds you know, upon that. hundreds upon hundreds of people um, offshoring their 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 the, the phrase I'm I'm using is they weren't caught hiding their money they were caught hiding ours by calling it theirs okay yeah. and we don't go after those things but we we now we we're we're told constantly that actually um someone who is on a low income needs to pay a little bit you know it's good that they pay a little bit more cuz cuz you know as if that's actually the answer rather than the 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 wealth hoarding that's gone on and you can we started this by saying how the oxfam figures can be you know they're open to interpretation you can argue about them but the wealth figures themselves that's that's what's scary is that the at the top end the the we now have people talking about globally going we're going to have our first trillionaire and there's a, yeah, and there's yeah, a reason yeah, yeah. we can have that because we talk about bro- celebrating yeah exactly it's it, the gap is accelerating so last 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 question again about back back to broadening it if i turned around to you and i said Karen, here you go Give me two things you'd love to see when they when they talk about broadening it, what they'd mean by that instead of take picking on the, the low the low income households. 
Well, a big gap and my director, Tom McDonald, wrote a piece on this a couple of years ago. I think my other colleague, Paul Godric Kelly, was involved in it as well and I was just looking at, you know, high-income EU countries, their norms of taxation, you know, what's their average revenue per person, what's it, how much do they collect as a, you know, relative to the size of the economy, uh, where does Ireland fall down because it falls down because it doesn't collect as much revenue. Uh, one of them was employers PRSI that was mentioned in the uh, there's a big chunk of 7 or 8 billion if we were just brought up to the average um, that was mentioned in the uh, Commission on Taxation and Welfare um, I would be in favour of you know some kind of higher tax band on incomes again at the at the very top if we're if we've never had so many people over 100,000 well then you know Maybe we should tax that <laughs> that a little a little bit more. Um, you know, there's there's a case for for net wealth taxes, uh, inheritance um, inheritance taxes are are low in Ireland uh, compared to other countries as well. Um, there there's loads of places, and obviously that would be, you know. Um, there would have to be the spending would have to you be you sound like uh, a communist Karen. you sound like a communist that's unbelievable so I'm always going to call that yeah uh, well, <laughs> like a master's in economics <laughs> from an Irish university like you know I have to say and it, it's always refreshing to get the the more grounded view of economics Karen. and it is yeah. it's always I mean, uh, and you have a very grounded view of economics and how it affects you know Really, I'm looking at my computer screen and up here in the corner it keeps flashing up the FTSE index. Oh, what the fuck does the FTSE index mean to me? You know, it's about what what the economy means to me as a person. You know, that rich people are getting richer doesn't, doesn't necessarily, as I said earlier, light my fire. And it's uh, the reasons why are very clear when you talk to Kieran. Thanks very much for coming on and having this conversation. Thanks a million. Um, sure, we'll chat soon. We will indeed. Um, I will say one thing, Martin, that upsets me. All of these people who are giving out about uh, conspiracy theorists and how they're gaining a foothold in uh, in Ireland. Uh, you folks believe in trickle-down economics, you loop the lose. We'll talk to you all soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.